0: Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org.
1: Within the Christian framework... We say, you know what? We acknowledge you're not perfect. You're gonna make mistakes. I'm not perfect, but you know what? Forgiveness is available. And that's the beautiful thing that Christianity offers. The person of Christ, he says, yes, I know the things that you've done. I know the things you're gonna do. Like, I forgive you. I love you. And so we can have that in relationship too.
0: Hello, and welcome to a new week here on Just Thinking, where we strive to provide thoughtful answers to some of life's difficult questions. We live in a society that is consumed with appearance, but oftentimes it seems that what we see isn't always what we get. Whether it's a family member or friend, we're likely to be disappointed by someone. Should we just isolate ourselves and avoid being hurt altogether? If not, how do we balance the community that God desires for us with the pain and hurt of that disappointment? Let's listen as RZIM speakers Nathan Rittenhouse and Sean Hart answer this question and others from students at the University of Virginia. The next question we have here says that if God brings joy and never disapproves, how do we keep
1: ourselves from isolating our communities since humans are eventually just going to disappoint you? And how do you interact with people that hurt you or that you don't even like? God doesn't disappoint, but people will. He has called us to relationship with people. And even though we enter into relationship with people and they still, like I knew when I got married that it was not going to be every day, everything that I wanted. I stepped into the relationship knowing that not only is, am I gonna fail her, but she's gonna fail me in times and we're, we're going to show our true selves and there will be disappointment and we will in a sense disrupt the joy of each other, but there's a fullness and a depth to life lived in relationship. What's amazing is to actually step into that and to push into that. And this is where there's a gift. A lot of people see this, there's a, a, a Bible word, repentance. It means to acknowledge that you have done wrong and to turn away from that. In the theological sense, we repent to God in that, like, I'm not God, you are. It's acknowledging that He's God and we're not, and we don't, we don't actually want to run our lives. We want Him to run our lives. Well, the same thing then is given to us as a gift to one another. This guy rarely bothers me. but well, when he does, here's the great thing. When I bother him, here's the great thing. I have full confidence because of the friendship that we have that He's going to forgive me. And I get to experience now one of the most beautiful gifts of repentance. It's not a burden, actually. It's a gift given to us that we get to acknowledge that there's a flaw, a fundamental flaw within us. We get to acknowledge that because we know it. It's true. We don't have to look outside. We just look in our hearts. It's, It's true. And within that, we then get to acknowledge that and then receive forgiveness from someone. And I think... The more we keep ourselves from each other, the more we don't want this opiate, opium type joy, this, this this idea that we're just like skating on the clouds joy, we don't want that thing ever disrupted, then we're never actually able to accept and experience the joy of forgiveness and repentance and reconciliation of a relationship. So, not only are we created as human beings for one another, and that is actually, the, I think, the most, the, what the Bible lays out is the most full life to live with one another to love God and to love our neighbor. And we continually live our lives managing our relationships, but it's in these deep relationships where forgiveness is possible. Now the challenge comes, I'm talking within a Christian brotherhood or a marriage with my wife where we've made a covenant where we basically said, We're, there's divorce is not even an option. It actually doesn't matter what she does. Divorce is not an option. And there's this rugged commitment to the other. And that's love, this rugged commitment to, to the other to actually work through that with them. That allows you to go to depths that you will not experience anywhere else. The problem with trying to do that outside of the framework that Christianity gives us is you see defriend, cut off, block phone call. Because you're, you're not able to, there's not, there's not as, as good of a framework in a lot of systems to actually say, to acknowledge there's something wrong with me And yes there's something wrong with you and then to say and I'm sorry will you forgive me our world is in a place where you make one mess up it's unforgivable for life I mean you got if you guys those of you who want to run for political office don't make a mistake in your university life right you you can't because the world out there will not forgive you but within the Christian framework we say, you know what? We acknowledge you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. I'm not perfect. But you know what? Forgiveness is available. And that's the beautiful thing that Christianity offers. The person of Christ. He says, yes, I know the things that you've done. I know the things you're going to do. Like, it, I forgive you. I love you. And so we can have that in relationship, too. So I hope that helps a little bit in answering your question. It's it's, it's worthwhile endeavor to have that disruption in our lives because it's actually one of the greatest gifts and the greatest joys to, to experience that reconciliation that happens in relationship. How can we be reassured that our gratitude is being received by God?
2: Hmm. You know, um, how can we be sure that our gratitude is being received by God? I think there—a funny image pops into my mind when I think about gratitude. Um, Because it equates, I believe, also to the concept of worship. And I I pulled up to get gas one time at a a station in, in Massachusetts. And as I pulled up, this guy was like, and you cut the potato like this, so the butter melts and runs down along the edge. And the entire time that I was there, he was telling this other guy how to properly cook a steak and serve it. For like the entire time, that from the moment I got out of my car to got back into my car, the whole time he was talking about, I mean, this guy had more concept of like a steak on a platter with a potato than anybody I'd ever run into. Like this guy was just infatuated with it. Who knew? Um, and so when we're, when we're consumed with something, we tell other people about it. For this dude, it was a potato. Uh, I hope it's better for you. But um, <laughs> worship and gratitude in that sense is our natural response to beauty. It's not something that we make ourselves do. It's a whoa, that was awesome. And, and when I say, whoa, that was awesome, in a sense in which I recognize that there's something bigger and more beautiful than what I could construct. The God who is bigger and more beautiful and can make that gets the credit for it. And whether that's everything from a sunset to a relationship um, to something neat that happens in your life, I don't think God has a problem of saying, Of of receiving that as a as an eruption from our soul of the goodness of something that goes beyond us, and so um, I I think maybe your question it almost sounds like you're saying I say thanks to God. How do I know I get the you're welcome? (laughs) Um, And I I think that the the sense of that relationship is an affirmation of the goodness of that. Maybe it is the joy that then flows from that gratitude of recognizing that I am connecting and communing with something bigger than myself. And so I don't think a, a calculated gratitude is not that awesome. Like when my parents give my kids something, and am like, what do you say? Thank you. You know, <coughs> yeah, um, when you're four, it's okay. When you're 23, not so much. Um, and so it's not a calculated gratitude when it's heartfelt. God is the one who searches the desires and the, and the genuine motivations of our heart and he can sort that out. Thank you for your question.
1: Okay. So here's our next question. How can Christians reconcile their own search for a spiritual sense with the fact that there are people who are suffering in very real ways? And like you said before, the only solace that you can offer is leading them to God or leading them to your religion.
2: Yeah, there, there, there are a couple things there. Thank you for a great question. And that is, I think, at the heart of, of what I'm trying to say is what do we say in a situation when there actually isn't any physical solution or hope to a problem. Because, um, actually, has anybody ever read a book by Atul Gawande? He just wrote a book called Being Mortal. He uh, teaches and speaks works out of, based out of Harvard. Um, and he talked a book about end-of-life care and people dying, and how as Americans we have the, uh, the conception that every issue at the end of life is a medical problem. And so we treat all of our questions at the end of our lives as if they were a medical problem, when actually they aren't. And so there is a point of being human where we get to the point of saying, here is something in this person's life and I'm going to die. And there isn't a medical solution for that. What are our options in the world at that point? More morphine, distraction. Comfort in the absence of hope is is merely a distraction. And so there aren't a lot of great Um, non-metaphysical solutions to that problem. Do I just suck it up and and take death like a man? and Well, it feels sad, but not really. Or can I see that there's something more there? And so Christianity does offer us something more in that category, not because we don't have um, great medical facilities or anything like that, that we're not trying to work passionately for humanitarian aid to uh, feed the hungry, heal the sick, All of that we're passionately engaged in. And all of you probably in some regard are also passionate about that type of work in some way. But what I'm speaking about here is what happens when we get to the cusp of what we can do as humanity? Then what? And that's the moment then that Jesus speaks into that of raising our eyes a little bit beyond and saying, what if there is more to being human than the brokenness that is just right here? Christianity does not ask us to look at the suffering in the world and pretend like it's an illusion or to pretend like it is the way that it is. It says this is wrong. And so I don't always know the cause of the suffering, but I do know what Christ asks of me in that is to step in and to suffer alongside and do the best that I can to help. And that's why I think you do see so much Christian humanitarian aid in the world is because we have a vision of the of the wrongness of that. And so your question points beautifully to the question that Jesus is trying to answer is, what do we do with the problems that go outside of that framework, outside of the bubble of what we think is reality? What if we do have a longing? It seems like death is wrong. Why does it seem to us like death is wrong? Why does it seem to us like suffering is wrong? Why is that not just the way that it is? And Jesus is the one who puts that weird thought into our mind that there is something more something eternal, and that He can redeem and restore the brokenness now into an eternity uh, that's devoid of these things. So, it's, a, it's a, a question that highlights, I think, the motivation that a lot of Christians have for speaking into those issues. Um, and uh, of course, we would never be in a situation where we think, well, looks like you have a broken leg. Pray for you. See it. You know, there's, there's no room for that anywhere in Scripture. In fact, that's that type of idea of, oh, you're cold and hungry well, God bless you, and not stepping in and doing something is radically condemned. And so your question is right on point, I think, with the heart of Jesus and what he asks of his followers when they address and respond to brokenness. Thank you.
0: You can find more content from Nathan Rittenhouse and Sean Hart on our website. Or check out their podcasts, Thinking Out Loud and Cover to Cover. You can find more information about these podcasts or others online at rzim.org and click on the Listen tab. And in Canada, that website is rzim.ca. We thank you for supporting our ministry with your prayers and charitable gifts. And if you'd like to find out more about our ministry, including upcoming events, be sure to visit our website. And if you'd like to order a copy of the Q&A series heard on today's broadcast, call us at 800 448 6766 and ask for the University of Virginia Q&A. Just Thinking is a listener supported radio ministry and is furnished by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia.